Amen. Thanks, Adam. Good morning, everyone. How are we? Good, I hope. Um, Happy Thanksgiving weekend to everyone. Um, We're going to be in Ephesians 5 today, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 5. Um, As always, we'll have the verses up here, um, so you can know that I'm not making stuff up. Um, But we'll be in Ephesians 5, and so I don't know if you've noticed, but the last several weeks, as we've been in this series by design, um, where we have been uh, discussing God's good and gracious design for both men and women, um, the sermons have gotten longer and longer. The reason why that is is because the recap takes longer and longer. So I'm going to try and do a shortened recap today uh, because I don't, I don't want to just recap the last three weeks and then kind of bring all those together again. What I actually want to do today is I want to do a quick recap of the last three weeks and then I want to take uh, the rest of the time and just talk through five pastoral prayers that I have coming out of this um, this series, what, I, what my hope and prayers are for the Grove and our community um, coming out of this series. So we'll do a quick recap um, and more and something more pastoral than just a sermon bringing it all together, but more um, my prayers for this series. Um, we started off three weeks ago, or is, I guess it's one, two, three weeks ago, uh, talking about this idea that God has this glorious design for both men and women, and that the first thing we talked about is how men and women are equal. Uh, We talked about how men and women are absolutely equal in both dignity and worth um, because they were both created in the image of God. And because they were created in the image of God, it means that they're equal. So there's there's no question in regards to the Bible. There's no question in regards to Christianity. There's no question in regards to church about um, men and women. They are equal in both dignity and worth. They are not, um, men are not to be seen as uh, better than women. They're not to be seen as ahead of women. They're seen to be equal but we also talked about how men and women are different. So they're created equal but different, equal but distinct in their roles at both home and the church. We talked first about men. We talked about how men are designed for work, and nothing is more dangerous than a lazy man. Nothing is more dangerous to society. Nothing is more dangerous to the home, to the workplace, to the church than men who are lazy. The men are created to work. Men are created to enter into the war for their families, for their church, for their kids, and to work hard. I talked about that. We talked about how women were created to come alongside and help men do that. That men have the primary responsibility for um, uh, love and serving their families, their communities, and to protect their families and communities, to set the spiritual climate for their families and communities. But women have the, have the responsibility to come alongside and help men. And that's not a lower role because the idea of a helper is that they actually have something the other is lacking that this other person can't do it on their own, that men can't do it on their own, so they need a helper. So we talked about how, how women come alongside and help men. That's not a subordinate role, but it's alongside men in that primary responsibility. Um, so today I want to talk more about what my prayer is and kind of just lay out before you why we did this series and what I hope happens as we move on and move forward. So Ephesians chapter 5 will kind of be the foundation for these five prayers Um, And so we'll pick it up starting in verse 15, and it'll be up here if you don't have your Bible. So Ephesians 5, 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use, use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, 
giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's this, this idea that we should be wise, that we should look carefully about how we walk because the days are evil. And so this idea, I want to start at the end of that sentence and kind of work back. The idea that the days are evil is not like this walking dead zombie apocalypse kind of evil, but it's, it's this idea that the days are evil. And so let's look at our own culture to, to, to kind of unpack this idea. In our own culture, our culture is like a raging river. And if we just step into it and just like let go, we're going to be taken away with it. And, and, and it's contrary to what the Bible would say. So when we talk about men and women specifically, our culture is going to say things that are absolutely contradictory to what Scripture says. And, and because that happens, because if we were just to step, step into culture and just let it overtake us, we'll be swept down and just kind of find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. We need to look carefully about how we walk, that we don't step in that. We don't walk as unwise and step into that river without knowing what we're doing and be swept away. And so this idea, the days are evil, is that you, everyone in here, is being discipled 24-7. Not just when you're in church, not just when you're meeting with, with um, a mentor or, or someone, but you're always being discipled. So what you're, what you're watching at home is absolutely discipling. What you put on your TV is discipling you. It's, it's changing the way you think. It's, 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 it's informing you. It's in the, the news you watch, and this isn't a CNN versus Fox News thing, but the, the news you watch is informing you. It's discipling you. It's teaching you what's going on, and it's teaching you how to think. It's telling you which way you should go. And, 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 and because of that, our need, and, and just really our nature too, our knee-jerk reaction is never good. When someone, when someone wrongs you, what is your reaction? Your reaction is vengeance. It's, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to, I want to get them back. So our, uh, the days are evil. Our knee-jerk reaction, our culture tells us that we should seek vengeance. We should get back. And so there's, there's this, this thing that's just leading us into evil, but this text is saying, pay attention. Are you walking as wise or are you walking as unwise? And then in verse 17, it, it kind of builds this, um, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we can't detach this from what we already read. And so he's saying, uh, the days are evil. Let us watch our lives. Let us walk in the way of, in the way of wisdom, not, not as the unwise. But then he says, don't be a fool. But learn, fight, know the will of God. Be serious about knowing the will of God. There, there's two paths. There's the path, the path that is culture or the path that is not the will of God. And there's the path that is the will of God. And, and we should know which way to go. And we should be serious about walking that path. There's a, there's a path that leads to life and joy. And there's a path that leads to death and destruction. That's not, um, and, and this is just, we, we talked about this already, but this is just science. Uh, when it comes to both men and women. So it, when, when men punt on their responsibilities and they don't live as men, and so you have these, these households that have either a man in it who's really just a boy who can shave or, or men who, or boys who have left their families, society begins to crumble. I mean, it's just science. And so there's, there's two paths here and one leads, leads to life and righteousness and joy and one leads to death. And then and in verse 18, he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but fill with the Spirit. Um, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Um, now, before we go too far, I do want to say um, this verse kind of scares me a little bit because 
I'm not a huge musical fan. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't like high school musical. Um, and so this idea that we should greet one another with song just kind of freaks me out a little bit. Like, um, is this saying that when, I, when someone comes to church and I, I greet them that we should just break out like, and choreograph song and dance? I don't think that's what's saying. And I, I, I'm, I'm praying that's not what, what it's saying. But what I think it is is we should uh, be glad to see one another be, and just be excited. So I spent this week, um, I spent... I had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. So I had four days off this week, and it was awesome. But every day, normally I only have two days off. So I have Saturday off and then Sunday, right? And so um, off of work. And so normally when I spend a day off, the next day is church. And I look forward to that. Like I'm excited to be here with everyone. And so I had Thursday off, and just like nature was like, oh, man, tomorrow's Sunday. I get to see everyone tomorrow because it felt like Saturday. And I was super disappointed Friday morning because it wasn't Sunday. And the same thing happened, so I was like, okay, well today must be Saturday. Like inside, today must be Saturday. Tomorrow I get to be with everyone. Again, it was just Saturday the next day. And so there was this series of disappointments for me this week because the next day was seemingly was never Sunday. I never got to come here. I got to spend time with family, I loved it, but there was this like moment each day was like, man, today's not the day I thought it was. I, I was excited about tomorrow. So there's this sense that we should be excited to be together, excited to be with one another, that we're not just breaking out in song and dance, but there's this, this relational dynamic that ends in mutual submission, that we're trying to outdo one another with honor, that, hey, you know, it's cold today, so I'm going to park a little bit further away from the building so people can park closer to the building. We're trying, I'm going to hold the door open for people. I'm going to come clean the church so they, other people don't have to. I'm going to come serve so other people don't have to, so other people can enjoy the sermon without their ki- worrying about their kids. I'm going to serve. There's this idea that we should be glad to see one another and, and be glad to serve one another and be glad to be there for one another. So based on this text, um, I have five pastoral prayers that I want to uh, just lay before you based off the last three weeks of preaching in this text. Um, and the first one, I'm just wanna, I just wanna go through, and the first one is that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And these, these five prayers aren't unique to me. Um, there's the whole idea of pastoral prayers, and, and so these are just five that, that I, I want for us. Uh, I want, I'm gonna pray for us coming out of here, but. At the Grove, my, my prayer is that um, we would uh, that we just continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, that as we go week to week, as we come here on Sundays, as we launch steps again um, in the spring, and as we launch small groups, and we, come to, we do all these things, and these, these different things, and we have Advent, and we go through these different things, that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, because it's incredibly, incredibly important. Because, let, let me, let me, let's talk about men for a second. Let me talk to the men, go back to manhood. Like, the, the weight that is on you men from the Bible, this, this come and die, lay your life down for your wife and for your children, this, this sacrificial love where you, you put yourself last. You're not first, God is first. You're not second, your family is second. You're, you're, you're not even third, others is third. You're, you're last place. You're not even getting a medal, you're just last place. This call on your life will never get easier. There's, there's no day where I've done this X amount of years, I've, I've moved on, I get to live for myself now. That's, that day is never coming. It's absolutely never coming. You, you are called to die. The, until glory, you will wake up and die each day to yourself. And that call on you is never going to get easier. And so we need Jesus. 
We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on the prize and know that we're doing this for a greater calling. We're investing in a different economy, an economy that lasts forever into the kingdom of God, that we're doing this for different reasons. So we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because this will become overwhelming if you look at today only. If you you look at tomorrow, if you look at the next year, this will become overwhelming because here's what you're going to say to yourself. Oh my gosh, is this the rest of my life? Is this, am am I going to be serving this woman and these kids the rest of my life? Am I? Yes, you absolutely will be. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. This will be overwhelming. This will be impossible to do. And so you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. This sacrificial love is hard. And look, I get it. Like, it's, 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 it's hard. I have two children, one on the way. Um, my wife works way harder than I do. I don't understand when this stay-at-home mom became not work. Um, the staying at home with your kids is absolutely work. It's labor-intensive. There's days, I think this week I came home, and, and, and I walk in the door, and Margie just, Margie, I hope she's okay to me share the story. I didn't talk to her about it, but Margie snaps. So she's like, put down the box of raisins. Like, just put them down. And I was like, babe, like, she's just hungry. She's just trying to get some raisins. That was not the right answer. I should not have said that because Margie's like, Mar- Margie replies, you, don't, you haven't been here. That's the 15th box of raisins. You're going you gonna to clean up? You're going to wipe her bottom when she poops that out? I said, no, slow, put that box of raisins down. <laughs> get that out of your hand. So, so there's, there's, there's times where, where this is hard and I don't understand. I enter in and I just keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. If we think about when will this stop, we're going to get overwhelmed. But we are here to serve. We are here to have our lives wrung out. You're going to go to bed tired every night from now until glory. And you should just know that now. Amen. And so for, for the ladies, my, as I was writing this sermon, uh, or, or, or la- the last week's sermon on womanhood, um, there was, uh, I had some just distress just thinking about um, preaching on womanhood, n- not because I was afraid of what people would think, but because I know a lot about what, what, what people of this church, I know a lot of people who listen to our sermons online, and, uh, and I know this idea, this call of submission, this call of being a helper, like some women have just, have married morons, and, or they'll, they'll tell me I, I married a moron, like you don't understand, like this is harder than you think. And like, I don't even want to take that from you, you probably did marry a moron, most of us are. But I, it, it was hard for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the sermon on, on, on biblical womanhood and where the call is to, to be a helper and to come alongside your husband. And, and I, I understand that knowing that some of you guys as husbands, don't look at them right now, but some of your husbands, that's going to be incredibly difficult to do. That your husband's not taking his primary responsibility seriously. And so you, you don't even know what coming alongside him looks like. And I get that. And so I, it was hard for me, like, like how is this going to be taken? I, 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 the same goes to you, like, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Continue to walk in the call that God has given you. Continue to be faithful in, pray, in prayer and loving your husband. And God will honor that. Because the question was, how do I, as a, as a pastor, step into those places where men won't be men? And how do I come alongside that and help? And, and, and how do I help these, these families? And, and I don't know, but, but I have to be faithful to the word. And so as we continue to, 
to per, um, perfect, as God perfects, as Jesus perfects our faith and he authors our faith um, with the gospel, the good news that as we stumble, as we fall, that he loves and forgives us, we keep our eyes fixed on him and there's this, this idea of mutual submission and things just being glad to be with one another and there's this idea of outdoing one another with honor. Paul writes in another place. Um, but that brings me to the second prayer. Um, is it at the grove that we would trust the Bible is our authority and that every command and implication the Bible is meant to lead us to life and lead us to joy, that we would trust the Bible in our, as our authority and that every command and implication in the Bible is meant to lead us to life and lead us to joy. And so as I'm preparing the sermon for, for women, I just have to trust that, you know what, I don't know how to help these women who, who, who are married to, young, to, to boys who can shave, but I know what the Bible says, and so because I know what the Bible says, I'm just going to be faithful and preach what the Bible says, because this subject, this idea of manhood and womanhood is one that culture is going to continually contradict Scripture, and what is right is going to collide with, or what the culture would say is right and wrong, and what works is going to collide with what the Bible says is good and right, and what works. And so, all the time, here at the Grove, we're going to come back over and over again to what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say? How can we look at the Bible, and how does the Bible instruct life? Because we believe that it's the Bible, it's the word, revealed word of God that leads to joy, and that leads to life. So what bears weight? Is it, is it your experience or the way you think or what you've heard about manhood or womanhood or anything else in life? Or is it what scripture says? And look, I know like, a lot of us might not know what scripture says on to- different topics. And so like, I don't know, like I would like for scripture to be what bears weight on my life, but I just don't know what it speaks on different things. Like we have equipped everyone with so many resources besides just Sunday preaching. I want you to know like it, it, it should be hard for anyone here at the Grove to, to not be digging in and learning about the Bible. We, we, have, we, we pay for this service called Right Now Media. Everyone should have an account. If you don't have an account, come talk to me. I'll, I'll make sure you get a, a login. But man, like it's just the Bible. It's, 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 it's Netflix for Bible study. Like you could just go on there. You could find any book of the Bible you want to learn about and just watch a video. They'll have discussion questions and some guy, some guy far better than me preaching on these subjects. And so go listen to that. Let that supplement the preaching you hear here. Um, and, and dig in and learn and, and, and let, that, let the Bible just bear weight. And so in the moment where you're not sure, you can have this background of like, you know what, I've read in Scripture this, or I've heard this, I've heard this from Scripture. And, and always going back to Scripture, not just your experience. Well, hey, it's always worked out before when I've done it this way. But yeah, but the Bible says that's not the way to go. That, that way eventually leads to death and destruction. This way leads to life and joy. And so my prayer is that in the moment where culture and the world collides with the Bible that we're going, that we would just say here at the Grove Church that we're going to submit to the word as it's written. We're going to submit to it as it has been understood historically and applied to the covenant community of faith. And we're going to live under that and submit under that. We're not going to say that times are changing and, you know, things are changing. And so we got to give Jesus a makeover. And he's wearing, he's still wearing bell bottoms and we got to put some you know, tight skinny jeans on and make them look cooler and better. And that's not what we're going to do here at the Grove. We're going to constantly come back to Scripture because to change Jesus is to get rid of all of him. To change any piece of him is to get rid of all of him. We can't do that, not just because he's God. From a selfish standpoint, his word leads to joy. 
Like if that's, if that's your motivation, that's your motivation, but the, his word leads to joy in life. Why not submit to that? Why not live unto that? I think so, so many times this isn't part of the sermon. Um, and I'm, this, if I'm going to get in trouble anywhere today, it's probably here. But um, we, so many times we try to make culture, or we try to make Christianity cool, uh, and we're so eager to make it cool. Like Christianity over the last several decades, like any time, like a famous person kind of like mentions they might be a Christian. We jump on and be like, did you hear Matthew McConaughey loves Jesus? Did you hear that? He said something about God this one time, this one interview. He must love Jesus. Or, or Duck Dynasty, like they pray and they have beards and they kill things and they pray. They love Jesus. We're going to just follow them until the ends of the earth because they're on TV and love Jesus. I'm not trying to doubt anyone's faith, but we are so eager just to make Christianity cool. And I don't, like it's never going to happen. Like, if you've read the Bible and you've read to the end of this book, like, we just know that's not going to happen. Like, before Jesus comes back and redeems everything and changes everything, Christianity is just not going to be cool. So we can stop playing the game where we change it and try and make it cooler than it is and just live it and just what it says and stop trying to change it because it's never, well, I don't care. I'm sure Tim Tebow's a really cool guy. I'm sure he does love Jesus. But, like, it's never, I don't care how much he does in sports or how much the Duck Dynasty, they do their thing or whatever. Like, Christianity is not going to be cool. So what, we can stop playing that game. We should stop being shocked that Starbucks took Christmas trees off their, or whatever, off their cups. Like, that's not a shock to me. Like, Starbucks has never been a Christian organization. Why? Like, I just don't care. Like, they make good coffee. There's baristas there who don't know Jesus. We should probably still go. We shouldn't boycott things like that. Like, Christianity is just not going to be cool. And so we should stop fighting for it. Anyway, prayer number three. Um, prayer number three and four kind of be like the same thing, uh, that we would take biblical manhood and womanhood seriously and celebrate it and encourage it. We should take, so prayer number three, I guess, is we should take biblical manhood seriously and celebrate and encourage it. And prayer number four is we should take biblical womanhood seriously and celebrate and encourage it. So in the end, so we talked about how it was impossible in the end, when it comes to biblical manhood, brothers, li- listen to me, like it's going to be hard. This idea of self-sacrificial love, laying your life down is going to be hard, but you can do it. Like you can do it. Like you're going to enter in and you're going to um, enter into these things and, and, and you're going to, to go home and you're going to pray with your wife and it's going to be awkward at first, and it's going to feel forced, and it probably is forced, but God will honor it. Just, just do it. Just pray with your wife, no matter how uncomfortable it feels, no matter how forced it feels, like you do that, and God will honor it. You, you, you don't know how to, how to set the spiritual climb in your home. You, you pick up your kids from, um, from seedlings, or you go grab one of the books we want to lend out to everyone, and you go home, and you just, you just read it off the page. Don't get creative. Just re- you're just reading it. Your kids aren't even listening. Just read it. God will honor it. And then, and then maybe like uh, several months later, you can start to get creative. And you're like, all right, hey, we're reading about how God is a fortress and our uh, help in our ever-present times, our ever-present help. Um, let's build a fort. You know, you, start get, you can start to get creative after some time. And, and so you'll, you'll build a fort and you're reading the story. And your kid, your, your son's knocking it down on your sister and she's crying. So you have to give one kid a whooping and, and you come back to the Bible. And then, but God will honor it. God will honor it. Just enter in and just try. You're going to go to your workplace and you're going to work hard and you're going to work hard for the glory of God and someone else is going to take credit for it and you're going to keep working. You're going to keep working because God will honor it. Like you can do it. You can absolutely do it. It's going to be hard and it's going to seem impossible, 
And you're going to fail, and you're going to fail, but you can do it. God's going to honor your attempts. God's going to honor your desire to move forward, to get off the couch, to get down on the floor with your kids, to get in bed with your kids, to honor your wife, to, to serve your wife. It's going to be hard. You're going you're to go home, and you're going to try to encourage your wife, and she's going to take offense to it and get upset with you over what you said. Even though you were trying to encourage her, God will honor it. Just keep going. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. This call to biblical manhood is serious and it's hard. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's be men. Let's, let's encourage our wives. Let's serve our communities. Let's have our lives wrung out for the glory of God and for the good of others and not just look for ourselves and to master video games and, to, and fantasy football and, and, and memorize sports center stats. Like, let's get in the game. Let's, let's go to where God's called us to and be men. And for the ladies, it's the same prayer, that we would take biblical womanhood seriously and celebrate and encourage it in all that we do. Like women, you can do this. You can build up with your lives, with your mouths. You can, you can speak life into others, not just your husband, not just your kids, but to, to little girls. Like you can do it. You can help your husband become all the things that God has asked him to. I don't care if he's a moron. I'm not going to take that from you. Like I said, he probably is. But you can use your words to build him up. Don't doubt the king of the universe when he tells you that you have power with your words and that you can speak life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can do it. You can become an expert in his strengths. You can build up rather than tear down. You can make disciples of your children. It'll be hard, but you can do it. You can make disciples of other young women. Like young women need your help. You can do it. You can enter in. It's going to be weird and awkward. You're not going to know what to talk, to, talk about, but you can do it. You can give yourselves over to the glory of God and work in the work of legitimate, genuine Christian discipleship and ministry. Single women, married women, you can all do it. Single women, don't wait for um, a man to come on and ask you out on Valentine's Day. Like you can do it. You don't have to wait. You can go out and you can make disciples now. You can, you can do this. Like we should be celebrating biblical manhood. We should be celebrating biblical womanhood in such a way where people want to enter in, that, we, that, that people would be encouraged to do this. And we'll go back to the guys. I want to say one thing to the guys. Like, this is not going to happen if you continue to walk in this macho man pride of you never failing at anything, where you have to be okay, you have to be the one to fix things, and you don't need help, you can do it on your own. You, this will never work if that's your attitude. Men, if you're going to enter into all that God has called you to as men, you're going to have to be honest. You're going to have to say, I need help. I don't know how to do this. Like, those are some godly sentences. I, I just, I need help. Like, God saw Adam in his perfection and said, it's not good for man to be alone. I need to make him a helper. Like, men are made, created to need help. So it's not a weakness to say that you need help, that I don't know how to do this, that I need someone to come alongside me. I need someone who maybe who, who's, who's been a husband for longer than I have. I need someone who's been a father, someone who's further along than I am. I just need some help. I need someone to come alongside me. I pray that we would be a place that takes biblical womanhood seriously, that married women, that you would honor your husbands and respect them, that you would order and help them in the home and the growing up of the children who love the Lord and, and single women that you wouldn't be waiting around for a man but that you would give yourself over to making disciples. Give yourself over for the, for the kingdom of God. 
to the women, you're, you're going to be filling your life up with something. It's either going to be something like The Bachelor or something like The Kingdom of God. And my prayer is that we would get, not, 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 not that things on TV aren't, aren't enjoyable and we can enjoy those things, but that wouldn't be the mark of our life, what we watch on TV and what we do on our couch. But our, the mark of our life would be making disciples, furthering the kingdom of God, pushing back what's dark in this world with the light of the gospel, and that would be our life. What is it that we do, that you do with your time? How do you fill your evenings? Because we need you. The kingdom of God needs you. God has designed this thing to work with your help. So lastly, my, my fifth and final prayer is that how we would interact with each other as husbands, wives, men, women would be a beacon of hope in a depraved and broken world. That how we interact with each other as husbands, wives, men, and women would be a beacon and hope in a depraved and broken world. I could just be up here for hours talking about, and we did, we did last week, not hours, we talked a lot, a lot about last week how um, our community is just broken. I love our community, I love Spruce Pine, I love the Tow River area, um, and it's beautiful. Fall is beautiful, but when you start talking to people, you start talking to families, man, it's just, it's just broken. There's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of addictions, not just drugs, but like people are addicted to, to attention. People are addicted to, to sex. People are addicted to a lot of things. And it's just, it's just broken. And, 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 and it's a lot like Camelot. We think it's, it's, it's beautiful on the outside and it looks great. But you start digging people's lives, digging people's, people's homes, and, it, and it's sad and it's broken. And it's not to talk, talk down to anyone. But what if, by the grace of God, when, when people here start living as men and women of, of, of God uh, and all that God has called them to, uh, that women, um, you know, instead don't, don't have a, a negative thing to say about their husband, but they're experts in their husband's strengths. And so when they're talking with their friends, they're not gossiping about how awful their husband is, but they're talking about his, their husband's strengths. What if, what if men, when they gather around and say complaining about their wives, that men wouldn't have a negative thing to say about their wife? Not that in the covenant community and, and there isn't reality and truthfulness and when someone's struggling, someone's struggling, but what if us, as we go out to the world, we, we not lie, but just be experts in the strength. Like, like, there's things your husband does well. I don't know what they are. It could just be like, he puts the toilet seat down. Like, talk about that. Maybe he does it. Maybe he, maybe he, he takes out the trash. I don't care what it is. Find his strengths and talk about it. Build it up. Encourage it. Men, like, there's things, you're, you're, you're always going to want more from your wife. You're always going to want more from your husband. There's never going to be a day if, if, I've heard it said from another pastor, if, if, if you're like, if, you, if your wife, if you came home and your wife was just, like, completely naked, just covered in, like, steaks, like, that sounds good now, but if that, if that was, like, your everyday, you would want a woman who, like, dresses from head to toe and hates you because it's just never going to be enough. Eventually, you're going to get tired of the, of the nakedness and tired of the steaks, and you're just going to wish that she hated you. Like, you're, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be satisfied in your wife. You're never going to be satisfied in your husband. So what if we just became experts in their strengths and we built them up? What if, what if single women uh, went out and, and their lives were marked by making disciples? What if, what if men, their lives were marked by their service to their community, service to their church, service to their families, service to their neighbors? There's always something to complain about, but what if we talked about strengths instead of, instead of weaknesses and failures? 
Let me close with this. Let, maybe you're here today and you're a man, you're, you're just straight, you're having a hard time. You're hearing these sermons, you're just having a hard time. Like, that's not me. Like, I, I'm struggling with things. Like, I have a deep-seated lust issue and I just can't seem to get rid of it. Like, my call to you would just be, be come on, like, struggle with us. Open up to someone. Come talk to me. Come, come open up. Come ask for help. Ask for prayer. Like, like, there is nothing that anyone in this room can't tell me and that I would gasp at. There's, I, I could tell you some things about my life and you might gasp at them, but there's nothing anyone in this room can tell me that I would, that I would gasp at. Like, if you're struggling with this, if you're having a hard time, open, it doesn't have to be me. Open up with someone. Open up with the person sitting next to you, another man that you know. Like, just be honest. Be real. This is a place where it's okay not to be okay. But you need to know that we're going to challenge you and we're going to encourage you to continue in your walk with the Lord to, to, to not stay there. And women, maybe you're struggling with you. You just, you, you can't seem to help uh, not trusting your husband and, and just speaking venom with your words. Like, like, just come struggle with other women in this church. Like, open up to someone. Be honest that you just can't seem to stop and open up. It doesn't have to be me, my wife, or any other woman in this church. Just be honest. Like God will honor that, that honesty and that realness. And, and we will call onto the Lord and his spirit to provide power for us to walk in all that he's called us to. Might we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We hold fast to the word of God as words from God himself that give us order and lead us to the deepest possible life. Might we take biblical manhood and womanhood seriously. We elevate it, celebrate it, and rejoice in it. And that in our interactions as husbands, as wives, as males, female, men, women, single, or taken, might we be bright gospel lights in a culture that is growing increasingly dark concerning all of these things. May God be our help and our power in this time. Um, we're going to sing a couple songs together. In a time of worship, you can sit, stand, sing, whatever you're comfortable with. Then I'll come back up and I'll pray for us regarding these, these things. Uh, before I pray, I just want to say one last thing. This, this idea and all this that we've talked about, the, the good news is that, that you will fail. You will fall short. You will stumble and fall. We've all messed up. We've all made a mess of our lives. But the good news is, is that the cross, all the cross says is that I know that and I love you and I'm willing to step in your place and take your place and bring you and rescue you from that, from that mess, from that life that you've made for yourself. I'm willing to step in and rescue that. So the, 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 the call here and all that we talk about here, the growth of manhood, womanhood, self-sacrificial love, helping is all based under that idea of you're going to fall short, you're going to make a mess, but that God will come in and rescue, that God is faithful, he will honor that, and he'll come in, and as you, as you make a mess, and as you confess that, and as you repent, that that ongoing confession repentance is all that God asks, that you would come to him. Instead of running from him, you'd come to him, and that he won't make, I'm not saying he's going to make your life not any less messy, but the good news is you get him. And he's that all you need, no matter what's going on in your life, the good news is that you get him. So I'll pray for us. Father, I just come before you, Lord, just thankful for your word, Lord, that you don't leave us trying to wonder how, how life works and how being a man works, how being a woman works, but you've given that to us. You've given us the instructions, the design 
in your word. So I pray, God, that, that we, we would just keep our eyes fixed on Christ. That as we go through this life, as we try to be men, as, as we try to be women of God, that we would just keep our eyes fixed on Christ when it becomes, to, when it becomes overwhelming, when it seems like too much, we just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. God, I pray um, that we would submit to your word, that you've given us this design, but we wouldn't stray from it and go and try and figure out what the culture says, what the world says. We would, we would submit to it. Where the world and the Bible collide, Lord, that we would just humbly submit to scripture and the faithful teaching of scripture, Lord. God, I pray that we would celebrate biblical manhood, we would encourage it and expect it from men, Lord, that we would um, take it seriously. And I pray the same thing for biblical womanhood, that we would take it seriously and celebrate and encourage it and expect it, God, that that would be the mark of not just the Grove Church, Lord, but the mark of Christianity, the mark of churches in our community, that men and women would walk in this, God. And lastly, God, I pray that that, that walking and that, that celebrating encouraging would just be a light of hope, God. That, that, that people would be attracted to that light. They would, they would want to come figure out what, what that light is, God. And we would just preach the gospel and share with people the good news of Jesus Christ is that, he, that you came and that you died for us, took our place, God. So we don't have to suffer. We don't have to die, Lord. Um, and this life on earth may be hard and tough and have trials, Lord, but we get you in the midst of all that. And you are enough for us, God. So we thank you, God, and we pray that would be true here at this church and true here at other churches meeting this very morning around our area, God. Father, we love you. I pray for the people here today that you would would just go with them this week, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, Lord, that you would just um, be faithful and walk before them, Lord, and protect them, God. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys.